Thank you, Lord. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So we just lift this time to you and just ask that you would speak to us, oh God. Make plain, make plain. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, here we go. Let's see how we do here. As you know, we're in James, and we're actually coming to a very famous passage of James, probably the most famous passage of James, and it's um, Faith Without Works is Dead. And for some reason, it has caused a lot of uh, confusion and, and um, argument. Even, even Luther himself struggled with this. Martin Luther, if you're aware, um, struggled with this passage. And I kind of wanted to give us a bit of a, an appetizer before we get into it, to sort of help us align and help us to, to think maybe along the lines of what James is getting at before we even get into it. Have you guys ever, I don't know if you grew up, did you guys grow up with this particular phrase? I mean, I know there's people from all over the world here. Actions speak louder than words. Um, it's a bit like if you have a friend who's a vegetarian or a vegan and they're evangelical with it. And they keep telling you that you must change your ways and stop eating meat, particularly red meat. You must repent. Because of all the ills, they send you the YouTube videos. They send you the Netflix uh, documentaries. And after years and years, you, you, would, you would think you would form that, okay, their words would have some type of alignment with the one on the left or the right. Now, if you walked in and, and you, you saw this individual at a restaurant about to, to, to dig in on the right, and after all that they've spoken to you, all the hours of evangelism, if I can say, of being a vegan or vegan, uh, vegetarian, you would be shocked to see what they're about to eat. So the words matter, but the actions must line up. And it's interesting that one instance would melt everything they've told you. You would no longer consider them to have any conviction. And that, in, in, in a sense, to be wishy-washy. That's why actions speak louder than words. It's not that words don't matter, but ultimately it's actions that speak. And essentially, this is a summary of what James is going to get into. And he's going he's to repeat himself. He's going to go, faith works. Faith, faith works right through this passage to make sure that we get it. Now, this guy's led a church potentially for 15 to 20 years by this time. So he's a guy that doesn't mince words. You know, when you come counseling for James, like he's like, boom, okay, next, boom. He's going to say it like it is because he's seen it all and he's heard it all. Particularly under persecution. Particularly when things get heated up. This is what this passage is about. So let's get into it. James chapter 2, verse 14. What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can this faith save him? Hmm. It's implied by the question that the purpose of faith is beyond just kind of believing in something. What use is it? Faith here, by the way, means conviction of the truth or anything. What use is it if it doesn't influence the way in which you live? Authentic faith here seems to be something that James is highlighting, demands some type of expression, some type of action. 
Now we see this in many passages of scripture. I'm just going to show you what active faith looks like in these familiar passages. This is the woman with the issue of blood. But Jesus turning and seeing her said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And once the woman was made, at once the woman was made well. The two blind men here. Then he touched their eyes and he said, it shall be done for you according to your faith. The Syrophoenician woman, amazing story, the Syrophoenician woman. Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at once. Now these people could have pontificated and had theological discussions that Jesus was the healer, but it was the action of that conviction, faith, that they got healing. It was the expression, the outworking of it. And as a result, they obtained that for which they put their faith in. Four. Now these are examples you see of physical healing. I think James is going deeper, and although it does mean physical healing, he talks about sozo. And sozo, one of the words that we use in sozo when it means to, to, um, to be saved from, it says rescued from danger. Remember the reason that Jesus came to the earth. Does anyone know? The, the famous one. Used to see this at football games. I don't watch football. Do they still have it there? I don't know. It was always behind the kickoff guy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be sozoed through him. Saved through him. Saved from what? She shall give birth to a son. Speaking of Jesus, talking about Mary, talking about Jesus, and his name shall be Jesus, for he shall sozo his people from their sin. Saved from their sin. How do we partake of what Jesus Christ has done for us? How do you partake of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one here can boast. It's faith and faith alone. The critical component in all of this requires faith That's why this is so important, this topic. That's why this, I think James is really highlighting something here. A critical component in it. Faith lays hold of what Jesus has done. It is critical to our salvation from the sin and its consequences. He wants to save you from sin and the consequences of sin. Faith is the means of obtaining all that Jesus Christ has died for. Faith. This is why it's such a big emphasis. And this is why he will begin to tear it apart from different different angles. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and no one, not one of you says to them, go in peace. And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, yet do not give them what is necessary for the body. What use is that? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. 
Again, James is highlighting the discrepancies between haves and have-nots here. A clear function of faith, at least from James's perspective and biblical perspective, is a transformation in action in our lives. Before putting faith in Jesus, we were selfish and self-focused and self-centered. In our actions, when we reflected on we, we were, but we were then convicted of these thoughts. We were convicted of the way we think and act. And the Bible talks about that fruit. The difference between when you did not know Jesus and had no faith in Jesus versus when you did have, when you put your faith in Jesus. There is fruit. Very simple understanding here. This is often used, this metaphor metaphor of fruit. Let me show you something. Anyone know what types of seeds those are? We don't know. Okay. Any, Any idea how you could know? Wow, it's like Sunday school. So I planted, and there it is. What type, of, what type of tree is this? How can you know for sure? It has to have fruit. It's fruit. You have to see the fruit. Very simple metaphor, and yet we confuse this all when we get into the spiritual realm. This is meant to be very plain. Let me show you. Jesus makes an example here. Matthew 7. Talking about false prophets, but we can expand this. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward are ravenous wolves. In other words, they look like sheep. We've all watched the cartoon, Bugs Bunny in the sheep's clothing. But they actually look like sheep, these guys. You will note them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, are they? Varya, can you gather grapes from thorns? No? Okay. Nor figs from thistles? Anyone? No? Don't think so? No? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown at the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. False prophets here is the example. They look good. They've got huge Instagram following. They've got the latest kicks. They're looking good. They seem to have really large churches. Lots of followers. Is that how you know God is with them? They look successful. Isn't success having lots of stuff? Isn't that what we're aiming for? More stuff. See, the fruit is a product of the DNA of the tree. It's what's in the tree is what it produces. It's the surest representation of what's in the tree. And Galatians 5 goes into this. It says a tree, an unrighteous tree, a fleshly tree, produces unrighteous fruit. A righteous tree produces righteous fruit. It's a very straightforward metaphor being used here. And you know them by their fruit. What fruit is being picked? What if the tree on the left, the unrighteous tree, desired to produce righteous fruit? It is not within their DNA to do so. They would have to be, as it were, born again of an incorruptible seed. 
And in the incorruptible seed, that would have the DNA to produce righteous fruit. And this is the crux, of course, of what Jesus said in in John chapter uh, 2 or 3. It says, you must be born again. The seed, the DNA that produces, that's the key. This is an interesting one. Let me just go back one more here. But some may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. It must be, where is, it's missing. The, that's odd, okay. Didn't make it through. Sorry. James chapter 2, verse 18. Let me read it again. But someone may well say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So someone has, this is what I believed. The other one person is, this is what I do, so you know what I believe. He says the demons believe and shudder. That's an interesting thought to me. It's not enough to just have proper doctrine. The demons actually have proper doctrine. Remember when they came to Jesus and said, what will you do with the son of the most high God? They know exactly who he is. You can have something like the Nicene Creed, which this is just only half of it. And this is all very good. You will see this on websites. You will see this all over the internet. And these these are doctrine and statements of faith that are important. We believe in one God the Father, the Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth, and so on. You can read through that. You can have good doctrine. But is it enough? Is it enough? Have you been transferred out of darkness into light? Have you put faith in Christ? Or do you just have proper doctrine? Now, doctrine matters. Don't discount that. But it needs more. Now, we would all answer, yes, Nick, of course I do. Does the fruit in our lives point to that? If someone were to observe you, the way you talk, the way you live your life, what you do with your finances, what you do with your entertainment, what you do with your time, what is the fruit? Is that a harsh question? Is that a judgy question? Getting all judgy? You judging me, Nick? Who'd you talking about, Willis? That's for old people out there, by the way. But I think it's important. I just want to use a metaphor here that I think James is getting into. And to highlight the seriousness of it, the seriousness of this topic, and the need to understand faith without works is dead. And I'm going to use that of a a metaphor of a parachute. And James is coming up and he's checking your parachute. He's just checking the strings. You see the guy on the left there, they do that. He notices maybe that you're not even wearing a parachute. You have, say, a beautiful Gucci bag. It's more comfortable. It's more stylish. It looks better with your outfit. It looks very similar, but it's about the same size. But, you know, it's just comfortable. You feel good. Is it wrong for James to challenge you that you might want to take the Gucci bag off and put a parachute on? This is what he's getting at. Because there's going to be a time. It's not going to help you when you jump out of a plane. But you explain, nobody talking about. I believe the parachute saves I believe that Jesus is the only way of salvation. You've always believed that. I believe that since I was a young kid. I believed it in Sunday school. Yes, but 
You don't understand. You must put it on in order to be saved from the jump. It's, not, it's one thing to just believe it. Knowledge is not enough. You must appropriate and put on. Because one day, you're going to jump out of an airplane. One day, we all die. You know, I hate to tell you that. Highest killer in North America is what? Death. Odds are against you. 10 out of 10 people die. It's appointed unto man wants to die, and then comes the judgment. All of us are going to jump out of this plane at some point. Are you ready? Do you have the parachute on? Or do you get all defensive when people are like, dude, I think there's something off there. I'm not sure it's going to open. That's all James is doing is, are you ready to meet Jesus? Remember, uh, what's his name? Bob Dylan. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you where you want to be? Will he know you when he sees you? Or will he say, depart from me? That's the seriousness of it. That is the seriousness of what James is getting at. Do you have faith? But you're willing to acknowledge, you foolish person, that faith without works is useless. Are you willing to acknowledge it? I mean, it's pretty, he's getting pretty aggressive here, as is his way. And at this point, you're like, yes, okay, I get it. At this point, yes, you're right. Was our faith in Abraham not justified? Was our father Abraham not justified by works when he offered up his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now this is a great great, uh, passage to go to. is Romans chapter 4. talks about Abraham and his faith. But you see here in verse 22 there, it says that faith was working together, help in work, partnering in labor with works. They're working together. And the result, faith was made complete, carried through to completion, accomplished. Faith's purpose, it found its fruit, as it were. It's a powerful yet simple truth that James is putting here. Working together, it demands expression. People with faith pray because they can't help it. Faith. Be aware of the things that counter faith in your life. Be aware of the things that you listen to, the things that you watch, the stuff that you follow on social media that are pointedly attacking your faith. Faith is by which we stand. We Faith being built up in our most holy faith. Faith. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. He's going to go into an Old Testament here with before they took Jericho in, in verse 25, talking about Rahab. In the same way was Rahab the prostitute not justified by works also when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. You see how he's just, <laughs> do you get it? Are you getting it? See, the people struggle with it because they're like, well, you're not justified by works, no. But you're justified unto good works. We don't stand and we're not forgiven by our works. We're not forgiven by anything that we bring to the table. We're forgiven because of what Christ has done. Right? 
And it's interesting, if you go on the streets and witness, and you ask somebody if you're a good person, it's a weird thing, because we all do it, if we're not careful. You use what you do to justify yourself as a good person. You say, I'm a good person because I do this and this and this and this and this. But we're not justified by those things. And if you've ever been through the Ten Commandments, it flays us all and says there's none righteous. There's no one that's good in and of themselves when it comes to righteousness. And it's a very humbling thing when you first encounter the Ten Commandments and you see thou shalt not lie. Yeah, okay. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Looking on a woman in lust, checking out porn, it's adultery. It just is. Call it like it is, bro. It's what it is. And you've, you've, these things, this is the leading, the law brings us to Christ, but now, and, and leaves us in where we, we feel we're done. We could do nothing of ourselves. And that's where the faith in what Christ has done comes in. And he, that's where the call to repent of our sins and put our faith solely in his righteousness. That none of, we all know where we stand before God, in Christ, and Christ alone, and what he has done. But now that we are children of God, we walk it out. How do we know there's evidence? And you see this in the gospel that's been preached in North America for years and years that it's kind of this, it's a strange gospel because you know this because most people are not actually able to get baptized on the day of their, on the day of their repentance and faith because people want to wait and see if there's any fruit. Is there any fruit? Is there any contrition? Is there any of this? And this is what goes on because there needs to be fruit. Fruit that leads us to repentance. Fruit that shows a contrition. But now that we're in the kingdom, now that we're walking this out, we need to think practically about our lives and ask the Holy Spirit to cross-examine and to show us. The Spirit gives life to the body just as works give life to faith. He's been very clear in this passage. Very clear. Very clear. Now when I read this, in, in, you know, for me, the passage is very straightforward, but you start to you can go different ways with this. You can get very introspective. You can look at yourself and think, wow, I really, really suck. I didn't realize how much I suck. Now I really know. You have to be very careful if you're that person. And I'm going to give you a scripture to help you with that if you are that person. Because often when you cross-examine yourself, you can often highlight things that God is not as concerned about and diminish things that he is more concerned about. It's a very important thing to allow the Holy Spirit here to show us the various things in our lives that he wants to make adjustments to. Now, Paul is responding to the Corinth church judging him. That's the context of this. But to me, it's an insignificant matter that I would be examined by you. It's kind of a a bit of a confrontational way to put it. Or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself For I am not aware of anything against myself. However, I am not vindicated by this, but the one who examines me is the Lord. And if you're a person that struggles with guilt constantly, you need to take it to the Lord. You need to ask the Lord to show you what he wants to do, what he wants to point out. You have to ask the Lord to do the work in your life, the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be here today, and you actually don't know the Lord. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe it was something that you did at the age of 8 or 10 or 12 or whatever. You, 
you, you, you said something. You confessed something. But there was no fruit in your life. There was nothing that's gone on. There was nothing regenerating. The DNA didn't change. You tried so hard, but you could not find it within yourself. God is calling you to himself today. You can put all of the frustrations, all of the religion, the dead religion. Do you not think the pews, I hate to say it, are full of people who have just given mental assent to a few statements of doctrine? This is what happened in James. You don't think it happens now? He's trying to shake these guys up. He's seen it for 20 years, even under persecution. It's like, dude, this is not real to you. There's no fruit. This is the same petition, I believe, that God is putting out to the church today. Do you have saving fruit in your life? Have you repented and put your faith in Christ? Have you been taken out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light? Do you still so desire the things of the world, the appetites of the things of the world, all of the various things of the world and what you want, but oh yeah, I got to get the, you got the credit card of Jesus so you can just rack it up. When there's no desire for things of God, no desire to please him, no desire to follow him, no desire to read his word, no desire to pray. I just petition you to consider where you're at and that a loving God is calling you home. That he is calling you to the very simple thing. Uh, it's called repentance. It's called the changing of mind. It's calling a putting on the parachute to just regard that parachute and actually put it on. I just, I just, I'm just going to ask you to stand actually. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would cross-examine as you wish that you would point out to each one, that you would be jealous with each one here, that you would draw, that you, Lord God, I just pray that we just, we yield to you. I just pray you call again. If anyone here has rejected you, Lord, who has walked away, who has turned their back on you, I just pray you call them home, Lord. I pray I break through the chains a break through the darkness, a break through the blindness. I pray that you would have mercy on each heart here. I pray for your movement upon us, Lord. I pray for those here who are just not in. They're, they're on the journey, but they've yet to embrace Christ and forsake themselves. I just pray, Lord, just lead to repentance. Those who live for self. Lord God, free us from ourselves. I just pray for faith in the room, Lord. I pray a drawing. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Let's pray each one to get real with God. Lord, we desire to be free. We desire to walk free. We desire to eat well at the table of God. Let's pray move upon us, Holy Spirit. There's no playing games with you. We know the religion of Men and women of this world is done. Even the religion around you, it doesn't work. It doesn't free. You must be born again. Lord, we want our faith to have works, multiple works. We want it to have its expression. Move upon us, O oh Lord. Each heart here. 
move, oh Lord, I pray. I'm just going to ask these guys to play a song. I'm just going to ask you just to ask, you ask the Lord, you ask the Holy Spirit. You ask him to cross. You, you're, you're well engaged. It's going to be you and him on the final day. Thank you, Lord.